Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. For a chance to be in your house and to worship with brothers and sisters. Open our hearts. Open our lives. Uh, Come and meet with us that we might celebrate you and that we might be changed by you. We thank you that you've met with us, that you've come to meet with us, and that you will go with us as we follow you. And we pray this morning that you would receive all the praise and the glory as we worship you together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Our scripture lesson comes from Judges chapter 4. We're going to be reading the first 10 verses. I just want to make you aware that the countdown timer was to show you how not to make neighbors. Because we're going to talk about making neighbors today and how to do that. And by uh, pounding on the floor up above your neighbor down below, that's not making neighbors. That's making enemies. And in Christ we are called to make neighbors. So this morning as we continue our study in Judges, we're going to look at Deborah who is all about making neighbors and she makes a neighbor of a guy named Barak. And so I want you to pay close attention as we read the first 10 verses of Judges chapter 4. After Ehud died, the Israelites once again did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, a king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazar. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Hasareth Hagaim. Because he had 900 iron chariots and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years, they cried to the Lord for help. Now I've got to stop right there. If you feel like you're being oppressed and that you're struggling, don't wait for 20 years before you call. Okay, I, just, uh, just a hint. Don't wait for 20 years. As a matter of fact, I'd suggest you call upon the Lord this morning. And he'll hear your prayer. Verse, <clears throat> verse 4. Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapida, was leading Israel at that time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites came to her to have their disputes decided. She sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, go take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun and lead the way to Mount Tabor. I will lure Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, and his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River and give them into your hands. Barak said to her, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't. Very well, Deborah said, I will go with you. But because of the way you're going about this, The honor will not be yours, for the Lord will hand Sisera over to a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh, where he summoned Zebulun and Naphtali. Ten thousand men followed him, and Deborah also went with him. May God add God's blessing, the reading and hearing of this God's most holy word. For saving us, for hearing our cry, for coming to our defense, for lifting us up, for drawing us into your presence for giving us opportunities to sit together and hear your word and respond, for allowing us to come before you and and cast our concerns and our cares before you. Thank you that we can come and lay our concerns at your feet and that you pick them up and carry them for us. We pray this morning as we worship you and as we open your word that you would speak to us, 
that the concerns and the worries of the day might be set aside, that we might hear your voice, and that we might respond to you. I thank you, Father, for this opportunity to share your word. And I pray, Father, that you would speak through me, though I'm unworthy except by your incredible grace. And we ask, Lord, that that this morning we would hear your voice, see your face, and praise your name. That this week we might serve you, that we might be your people, that we might be changed by you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We have uh, been reminding ourselves of how God has called us to be neighbors, make neighbors, and build God's neighborhood. So say that with me. We are called to be neighbors, make neighbors, and build God's neighborhood. Good, very good. And last week we talked about what it means to be a neighbor and how uh, we are called to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. And if we're in relationship with Jesus Christ, then we can be neighbors. And I encourage you to, to start that relationship today. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, start that relationship today because you'll find he's going to allow you to be a neighbor in situations you never thought you could be a neighbor. You won't be annoying. Instead, you will be someone who is a neighbor who can love and forgive and bring mercy and grace. And so this morning, as we start, I I hope that you realize that you can't make neighbors if you're not a neighbor. If you're not a neighbor, you're going to have a hard time making neighbors because what's going to happen is you're going to be all about you because until you open your heart to Jesus Christ, your life becomes centered around you. But when you open your life to Jesus Christ, then your life begins to be centered around other people, not around you. And in particular, that that begins to open you up to engage other people, in particular, other believers, in ways that allows you to make neighbors with other believers. You see, neighbors make neighbors with neighbors. How's that? Write that one down, boy. (laughs) Neighbors make neighbors with neighbors. Four neighbors. Uh, so, so this morning, as you think about making neighbors, I want you to think about someone who is in your sphere of influence, who is a fellow believer in Jesus Christ, who's already a neighbor. They're already a neighbor of yours that you would like to make a neighbor. In other words, they're not just a neighbor who's over there, but they're now a neighbor that, with whom you have a special relationship. That's the type of neighborhood we want to build right here, is a neighborhood where neighbors make neighbors with neighbors. So think of a neighbor you know, and begin to think about how, what it would look like if you made neighbors with that neighbor. How would that look? Boy, you all look, I don't know if you're sleeping or if you're just deep in thought, <laughs> but but, but keep, keep with me. So you're going to engage. That's why the word engage is there. You're going to engage with some other neighbor to build a relationship where you have made neighbors in a special way. Okay? Now, um, the book of Judges helps us open up this idea of neighborhood. And you remember last week we talked about how Judges has this cycle that's going on, right? Uh, and Steve Turner said, history repeats itself, has to, nobody listens. 
And there's a lot of truth in that. And you'll see that in the book of Judges. And the reason is because people stop listening. And it's not that they stop listening just to each other, but they stop listening to God. And so in the book of Judges, we see this cycle happening where the people cry out to God. God sends a judge, a leader. And by the way, a judge is not what you're thinking. I know you're thinking of, uh, uh, what's her? Judy, Judge Judy. How could I forget? But it just went just like that. Not talking about Judge Judy. This is not someone who, who arbitrates. A judge in the book of Judges is one who leads. And so Deborah has been leading the people of God, the people of Israel. She's been leading them. And in that leadership, she has been working with them. And in the midst of that, she has picked someone with whom she wants to make a neighbor. And that person is Barak. And he happens to be the leader, the commander of the armies of Naphtali. And you have to remember now, we're talking about a time before Israel is a nation. It's a bunch of tribes who have come together, who have this coalition because they all believe in God. And so at times they work together as one, at times they work individually. And in the times of judges, the judges would call upon military leaders from different tribes to lead the people for that time. And they did that based on what God shared with them. And Deborah, who is open to the word of God, who is open to God, is the one who begins to share that with Barak, begins to make a neighbor with Barak. Now, before we go any further, my fear is that you're thinking about 20 people with whom, if you're an extrovert here today, you've begun to think of 20 people with whom you'd like to make neighbors in the next two days. Okay? Now, you may have noticed the title of this morning's message. Did you catch that? The title of this morning's message is Make a Few. Now, I just want to note that this guy is jumping into ice cold water. Not many people are going to do that. There's only a few. You see, so when you're thinking of someone you can... Yeah, I know, some of you are here today. Uh, So when you're thinking of making a neighbor, think of a number that you could attach to how many people would really jump into ice-cold water. Now, I'm not going to have you raise hands, but there's probably five or six maybe here today. I would suggest that you start with two or three people with whom to make neighbors. Don't go for a huge, make a few, okay? So you're thinking of some other believer or two or maybe three at the most with whom you can build this relationship where you can make a neighbor. Deborah picks one. His name is Barak. And Deborah and Barak begin this journey together. And it's kind of awesome. So this morning, we want to talk about making neighbors. And the first thing we read about Deborah is that she settles disputes, she settles disputes between neighbors. Okay? So neighbors have been coming to her, and they've had problems, and she begins through, and we know it's through the Word of God because she's a prophetess. So what is she doing? She's listening to the Word of God, and from the Word of God, she gets wisdom. And with that wisdom, she hears the heart of God, and out of the heart of God, she makes a decision to help people understand how to settle their disputes. Did you follow that process? She hears the word of God because God is speaking to her. She's a prophetess. That's what her job is. That's what God has given her. It's her gift. And because she hears the word of God, she takes that wisdom and she applies it with the heart of God, which is within her because she's a follower of God. And she helps people understand how to deal with their problems. 
how to deal with their disputes, how to deal with their problems. Now, uh, a neighbor will do this with a neighbor. They will help a neighbor with a dispute with a neighbor. You with me? Uh, you guys, uh, all, all you have to do is remember the word neighbor and you've heard everything I'm saying here today, right? Uh, and here's the deal. When, when you are working with a neighbor and you're trying to settle a dispute, first of all, you have to use the wisdom of God, which comes from the Word of God. You've got to start there. If you try to answer the dispute based on what you think is best, what you think is right, you're going to find yourself causing more problems. I watch it all the time. I've done it a few times. I'll be honest with you. People come with me with problems, and I know exactly what the answer is, and I tell it. I lay it right out for them. And sometimes they actually try to do that, and it ends up as a train wreck. I'm like, but, but God, that was a great idea. And God says, yeah, it was a great idea. It just wasn't mine. Okay, God. So, so I need to go back to the Word of God, hear what God is saying, and share with the heart of God. In other words, I don't go in there and say, well, you know, if you all were real Christians, this wouldn't be the problem. Have you ever heard that before? <laughs> If you, were, if you were a good Christian person, you wouldn't have this problem. So get over it and get on with life. But instead, you come with the heart of God. The heart of God comes with compassion and love and says, I see your struggle. I know your struggle. And my heart is broken. God's heart is broken. Let's pray together. Let's work through this struggle. Now, when you do that, you become what's called a peacemaker. And I want to make a distinction here between a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. There's a big difference between a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. A peacekeeper tries to change the situation to separate the parties and make sure it's going to be okay. For instance, this afternoon, there's going to be a big football game. Some of you know about that. And in the middle of that football game, there will be these guys in stripes. You know who they are? They're the peacekeepers. Make sure everybody follow the rules. Make sure nobody takes anybody else's head off, and if they do, they pay the price. Those are peacekeepers. They try to keep the two teams separated. You watch. The teams who get upset with each other, get in each other's faces, and who gets in between? There's all these big guys with pads and helmets, and these little guys with no pads or helmets get in between the big guys with the pads and helmets to separate them. They're the peacekeepers. They're trying to change the situation so that there might be some peace. That's great. That's a good thing to do. We need peacekeepers, but more importantly, we need peacemakers. A peacemaker is one who comes and seeks to change the heart, not the situation. You see, a peacemaker comes in and begins to talk about what's going on inside and why are you so upset and why are you so angry and where's the hate coming from? Let's talk about this and let's pray about this and let's seek God together that God might come and change your heart, that He might fill you with that love and that peace that He has for you and for the person with whom you're in conflict. Pray for our nation. Our, prayer, our nation needs peacemakers. People who are calling people to Jesus Christ where their hearts will be changed and there'll be less hate, less anger, and more righteousness. Jesus said this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And that just makes us step back a minute because you can't be a peacemaker if you don't have peace in your heart. And you won't have peace in your heart. Until you give your heart to Jesus. Because when you give your heart to Jesus, then you realize that no matter what the struggle or conflict in your life, there is a God who loves you and cares for you, who's watching over it all. 
And the end, in the end, he has the best in mind for you. You can have perfect peace today. No matter what the situation in your life, you can have perfect peace. Why? Because you know God is in control. Whenever I face a difficult situation, if I know a difficult situation is coming up, the first thing I do is I go to God. You know why? Because I know in God I can find peace. I don't always get there. I go. I don't always find it. You know why I don't find it? Because I, I, God, you don't understand. <laughs> There's all these problems and all these struggles. And there are people that I have to, to deal with. And, and you just don't get it, God. And God whispers in my ear and says, oh, I, I get it. I live there, Remember? I remember the struggles and the trials. I'm still on the throne. If you can get to the point where you say, yes, Jesus, I know you're on the throne, all of a sudden this peace begins to overflow you and you can face the struggle with peace in your heart and you become then a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper, a peacemaker because you actually bring the peace of Christ into the situation. Don't you know those kind of people? I love to be around those people. Who just, you know, in the middle of a crisis, everything's going wrong. They're standing there. Yeah, I think we should do this and this. We're going to be okay. Those are people I love. <laughs> because frequently I'm the one running around. Oh, we got to do this. We got to do this. We got to do this. And they're saying, that. no, wait, wait, wait. Let's, let's, let's just analyze this a minute. Look, there's a problem. There's a problem. There's... Hey, you know what? We can handle this. And that's the Spirit of God at work. You see, Deborah was a peacemaker. She went around and she, she brought into Bark some peace in his life. He was upset. He was worried. He didn't know what to do. They were oppressed. He was the commander of the army and they couldn't do anything about these people who were oppressing them. What was he supposed to do? Deborah says, calm down, Bark. It's going to be all right. God has spoken. We're going to get through this. You see, if you're going to make, make a friend, bring peace into that life. Bring peace into their struggles. Bring the peace of Christ with you. If they're a fellow believer, they have the peace of Christ. They may just not be drawing from it. But you see, Christ loves them and loves you very much. And because of that, you can have perfect peace. Second of all, you've got to be willing to go with the neighbor. Now, it's interesting to me because Barak says to Deborah, listen, if you go, I go. If you don't go, I won't go. I think that's amazing. Here's a guy who realizes she has the power of God in her life and she, he wants to go with someone who has the power of God in, his li- in her life because, you see, Barak is still in this in-between stage where, he, yeah, I believe God is able, I believe God can do it, but his self-confidence is lacking. Maybe he's been trying to do something for a long time and everything he does seems to fail. He doesn't want to go without Deborah, someone to go alongside him, to come alongside, someone that he knows has the power of God in their lives. And if we're to make neighbors, we have to be willing to come alongside each other. God gave us the greatest example. Oh, wait a minute. Let me back up just a step. Now, Barak could have gone by himself because he believed in God. He could have gone. God was going to be victorious. God had already given the word. It could have been okay. And sometimes you've got to go alone. What's neat is when you go alone, you discover that you're not alone, that God goes with you, and you see the victory for yourself. But sometimes before we get to that point, we need someone to come along with us. We need someone to take our hand. You know, when, when, when a kid goes to walk for the first time, you set him down, you step back, and you say, all right, go at it. And the kid falls flat on his face. And you pick him up, you say, go ahead, go at it. The kid falls flat on his face. No, what you usually do is you grab the kid's hand, right? 
And, and you hold them up and you walk them like this, right? And then you let go and watch them fall flat. On. No. <laughs> and, and so you hold them by the hands and you walk with them by the hands until they're old enough to walk on their own. Now, you don't do that when they're 25, right? If you're still holding their hands and walking with them when they're 25, um, you, you've, I hate to say it, but if the child is a healthy, normal child um, or a healthy child, um, then you failed as a parent. I hate to tell you that, <laughs> right? When, when they get older, you start letting go. I mean, that's one of the hardest things for parents. It kind of starts when they're babies, right? Because you don't want them to fall flat on their face. But you know, you've you got to let them do that sometimes. And, and so what, what we see is, as a neighbor, as, when you make neighbors, you walk alongside. God gave us a great example of that, by the way. Um, and it's not the tugboat, although the tugboat helps us see that. But what God gave us was something called the Holy Spirit. Have you ever heard of the Holy Spirit? Well, when Jesus left, he said he was going to send the Holy Spirit. Um, and in some translations, the Holy Spirit is called a counselor. And in some translations, it's translated the advocate. The word in Greek is paraclete. It means the one who comes alongside. And the Holy Spirit comes alongside us and encourages us and holds us up and lifts us up, picks us up when we fall. The, the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us. And, and when t- things get tough, the Holy Spirit whispers in our ear, listen, it's going to be okay. I'm right here. And the Holy Spirit comes with us and walks with us. And, and we see in John 14, that Jesus says, and I will ask the Father and He will give you another advocate. That's the paraclete, the one who comes alongside to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The word cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit comes alongside. You are never alone. But sometimes the Holy Spirit uses other neighbors to come alongside for a while to help support you until you can stand on your own. God calls us to be neighbors with one another, to hold one another, to support one another, to walk with one another. That we might get through the struggle and the trial. We need to be willing to go. Deborah says, all right, you're going to miss seeing what God has to, is doing, but I'll go with you. I'm your neighbor, I'll go with you. Deborah could have said, no, I'm just too busy. You know, I got all these disputes, you know, Israel's a mess, a lot of people are here, need, need the wisdom of God, I'm just going to stay here, you go ahead. And Barks would have said, I'm not going. And they never would have seen the victory of God. They still would be stuck in that cycle. But Deborah, because she is wise, says, okay, I'll go with you. And they go together. And because of that, by the way, God brings an incredible victory. So if you're going to make a friend, you want to come alongside that friend. You want to be willing to come alongside. That may take sacrifice. That may take time. That may take effort on your part. It may be at 3 o'clock in the morning. It may be at whatever's the inconvenient time for you, two in the afternoon. It may be while you're at work and all of a sudden they need you and they text you and you have to decide. You're going to have to decide, am I willing to be that neighbor, to make that neighbor? You may just have to say, as soon as I'm done with work, I'll be over. I want to make sure you're okay. But you've got to be that neighbor. We need that with each other, brothers and sisters in Christ. We need that. Do you have a neighbor that you could call at three o'clock in the morning? They'd be willing to talk to you or 2 o'clock, or 4 in the afternoon, whatever it is for you. Do you have that neighbor? Are you that neighbor? Finally, um, 
they, they head out. And, and what, what we didn't read this morning is probably the best part of the story, so you can read that at home. But what we see at the end of the story is that God truly does an incredible thing. You see, the, the armies of, of Jabin had uh, 900 iron chariots. Now you have to understand, iron chariots were the super weapon of the day. If you had an iron chariot, you, it, it was, it'd be like having an F-25. Okay? It was the weapon of the day. And they had 900 of them. And it looked like there was no way the armies of Israel could win. And because God was with them, God fulfilled His word just as He had spoken through Deborah. And the armies of Sisera came down at the armies of, or I should say, the armies of Israel came down at the armies of Sisera. And the armies of Sisera engaged, but they became confused. And it wasn't long before the armies of Israel had overwhelmed the armies of Sisera. And, and the, the armies of Sisera began to flee, flee. As a matter of fact, Sisera got out of his superpower uh, um, machine in order to run. And he began to run on foot. And he came to a tent. And in that tent, there was a lady, the lady of the tent, or the house. And Sisera had made an agreement with the man of the house. And so the lady of the house said, sure, come on in. And he said, I I just need a place for a little while. I need to get some rest. She said, sure, come on in. Lie down. Make yourself comfortable. Make yourself at home. He says, you know, I'm really thirsty. Give me some water. She says, hey, I got a great idea. How about some milk? I don't know if you are getting this whole story, but he's exhausted. A little milk's going to make him sleep like a baby and sure enough he falls asleep and she takes a tent peg while he's sound asleep and she pounds it through his his skull through his temple and kills him and along comes along comes bark looking for sisera and jal the lady of the house says come on in i'll show you who you're looking for And there he was. And God, did you hear what Deborah said? God will bring the victory. The Lord will give the victory. Now we read this passage and frequently we say, oh, look at that. So uh, Sisera will be defeated by a woman. That's not the point of the verse, folks. Okay? Uh, Deborah is a powerful woman. There were powerful women in that day. That wasn't the point. Listen to what he says. What Deborah says, very well, I will go with you, but because of the way you are going about this, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will give victory through a woman. Who is the important person here? It's not Barak, it's not Deborah. As a matter of fact, as you read what Deborah says, you're assuming, or I did anyway, when I read it the first time, I thought, oh, Deborah's going to get the victory because she's going with him, she's the woman, she's going to get the victory. That wasn't the point. That's not what Deborah said. The Lord is going to get the victory. It doesn't matter who the Lord gets it through, the Lord is going to get the victory. Every other player is a minor player. Barak is a minor player. Deborah's a minor player. Giles a mi- minor player. Bottom line is, the main player in the battle is the Lord. And the Lord brings the victory. If you want to make a neighbor, begin to talk to your neighbor about the victories that God is bringing. Give glory to God over and over again, brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why worship is so important. 
Because when we worship, we share the victories of God. Did you ever notice in in Scripture how many times we talk about how God was victorious, how God was victorious, how God was victorious? This is the story of David in this picture, how God was victorious. Did you ever notice that? That every time God was victorious, you, you didn't miss that, right? That every time we went through a Bible story, the Lord is victorious over and over and over again. The people might fail, but who is victorious? God is victorious. Every time, God is victorious. You understand what we do in worship, brothers and sisters in Christ? You may come to say, to hear that incredible sermon that God is going to bring to you through the preacher on Sunday morning. But I gotta tell you, that is nothing compared to the time during prayer time when we start telling about what God is doing in powerful ways. That's where true worship really begins. When we start to get together and talk about what God is doing and how God is bringing victory and how God is still on the throne. That's what we do when we make neighbors. You see, the scripture said you don't need 150, 200 people to worship. He said, when two or more are gathered in my name, I am with them. And when you're with another neighbor, you can begin to share what God is doing. And when you share what God is doing, God begins to be present in a very powerful way. We call that worship. Now, some people get in the habit of saying, well, worship really isn't all that important, you know, because, well, I, I can listen. <laughs> this, you know, sometimes we do things to try to help people, and in the end, I wonder if we did the right thing. I can listen to it on the podcast on Monday morning or Sunday afternoon. I don't have to go to worship. I, I can worship God anywhere, have you ever heard, heard that? I can worship God. I've had hunters say to me, those especially who want to hunt on Sunday, I could worship God out in the woods. You can worship God out in the woods. Especially if you're with another believer, or maybe two, or five, or twelve, and you can offer up your worship to God, and you can tell each other what God has been doing. But I'll tell you what, when we come together as a body of believers and start talking about the victories of God, and how God is working victories in our lives, then we begin to spur one another on. We begin to encourage one another. So the writer of Hebrews said, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. You see, even in the time of the writer of Hebrews, people had started saying, well, I don't really have to go to worship. It's okay. I'm glad you're here this morning because I want you to hear something incredibly powerful. You see, Deborah and Barak go together, and when the battle ensues, Deborah doesn't do anything that's outstanding. Barak doesn't do anything that's outstanding. Even Jael doesn't do anything that's outstanding. But the Lord does an incredible thing and brings victory in their lives. And I believe that God wants to do an incredible thing and bring victory in your lives. And we get too caught up in the struggles and the trials and the problems. We forget that God is still on the throne. Unless we have a neighbor who says, God is still on the throne. It's going to be okay. God will bring the victory. Let's pray together. God's at work in this moment. You see, that's how we make neighbors. That's how we worship God. That's how we give glory to God. And that's how we stay strong. In the name of the Lord. We face incredible odds in our world today. The church um, is not a powerhouse in the way that we used to think it was. And and I would suggest to you that that was probably all um, smoke and mirrors anyway. 
But what is true is that the people of God, who are the true church of God, still have the power of God at work in their lives. And as they begin to trust in Him and make neighbors together, the neighborhood begins to change. You see, if you would make a neighbor at work, you might begin to see work change. If you would make a neighbor in your area where you live, you might begin to see that area change. If you would make a neighbor in that club or in that um, organization that you are a part of, you might begin to see that organization change. And it doesn't take a lot. It takes just a few. Who are you going to make a neighbor with this week? And let me step back one moment. Are you a neighbor? Do you have that relationship with Jesus Christ where you have peace in your own life? Do you have that relationship with Jesus Christ where you know His Spirit is with you wherever you turn? And you can have peace and assurance no matter where you go because you're never alone. Are you a neighbor? Do you have Jesus in your life so that you see God at work in your life? If you don't have that, you need to start there this morning because Jesus wants to be a part of your life. He wants to bring victory in your life. He wants to bring peace in your life. He wants to bring an assurance in your life. And the only way to do that is to give Him your life. And this morning, if you would just bow your head and ask Him to come into your heart and into your life, He'll be there. Now, it'll take a moment for you to say, okay, Jesus, I know I haven't been all I'm supposed to be. Forgive me. And He'll get all excited. He'll forgive you and He'll begin to work in powerful ways in your life. What do you want for your life? What do you want for the life of your neighbor? Won't you make a neighbor today? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for our time together this morning and for your word. Um, Speak to our hearts, Lord. We lift up to you those who have yet to become neighbors, to have yet to have a relationship with you. And we pray this morning, Lord Jesus, that they would say yes. That they would say they want that peace. They want that, that hope. They want that assurance. Lord Jesus, if they want that this morning, I pray that they just cry out to you, that you would hear their prayer and respond. Lord, there are some among us who are struggling in very powerful ways with deep hurt, deep brokenness, and they need a neighbor, a fellow believer who loves them and cares for them and will come alongside them and encourage them. Father, make us neighbors. Help us, Lord Jesus, to find those people you are calling us to be neighbors to. That we might be what you have called us to be this morning. That we might respond to you. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.